Hey, we're here. Our audio's working. It's working. It's also not episode three. It's episode 18. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 18 of Tactical Crouch. It's been, uh, we're at the penultimate moment here. Four weeks of guests. We had Deep A. We had Sideshow. We had Harsha. Now we've got the man who's done it all. He's literally done it. I feel like he's done everything. He's, he's uh, the, the head coach of Boston Uprising Academy, formerly XL2. And here's the thing. More, more importantly than all of that, all of those accolades are, are, are just minuscule to this one. The most active coach on the competitive Overwatch subreddit. So, uh, you know, everyone, everybody always wants to make that. Like, that's a really important thing. And, uh, I mean, it is. But, like, every day I wake up, Every day I wake up, Iostux, and it's like, here's an appreciation thread for Iostux for always being on here. And I, I heard your secret is that you have an RSS little uh, I do. updater. I do too, actually. And it's brilliant. You should do yeah, every, So every time a new post gets uh, to competitive Overwatch, it just like dings on my computer and I have a no, little no, plus Not one. just that. I'm also a bit of a narcissist. I have a second notifier, oh. not just on my PC, but also on my phone, where every, every minute, it just scans the entirety of Reddit, and if it finds the word Iostux once, I immediately get a push notification. Damn. I do, At first so I was I like, do that for yeah. something else, but yes, that's, that's smart. I do that, that is so... <laughs> what Sorry. is this something else? I'll, I do it for uh, GoXLR, because I do the community oh, for yeah. that. So anyone, okay. anytime somebody says the word GoXLR on the internet, I hear it. I was like, is he, what, does he want to be well-informed about Birkenstock uh, I, discussions on Reddit? Or? I also have a RSS set up for Volumel and the word nudes, but nothing's come up yet. It will one day, Unfortunate. Though. By the way, Joe, welcome back, dude. Good to see you, man. <laughs> yes, well, the other guest you. on this podcast. He's the what? <laughs> the other guest on this I'm podcast. the second guest, yeah. He is, a couple of weeks off. We missed you. It's good to have you back. You're looking you. refreshed. Uh, I not nude. Hopefully not. At least I have. Have you uh, the emperor's clothes? Is that like have you been like? I feel like you spent like three weeks at a proactive day spa. Your just face looks your complexion oh, looks amazing. Yeah, you're glowing. Who is she? Am I? What highlighter do I use? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sad that most people probably won't get Yiska's reference right there, but I appreciate it. No idea. <laughs> I don't get it either. By the I'm, way, I'm assuming it's from like some weird, like high German literature that maybe Monty might be able to reference. I've... Oh yeah, I, I remember it because Monty referenced it. Okay. <laughs> so Yiska, we're trying something new today. Okay. It's German lessons. Iostex, you can help. <laughs> you can help here, okay. but we're supposed okay. to learn like a term in German. A, a termin, if you will. And mm -hmm. uh, a German term is a termin. Um, that's also something that Yiska <clears throat> taught me before the show. And okay. so you're going to teach us a term today, and we're going to use it throughout the show. Okay. So so what what is today's I think, uh, uh, German vocab? Well, uh, I'm, uh, I'm a huge uh, huge fan of the word uh, lauwarm. It's wow. the temperature where, where it's, it's like a temperature where you just don't feel the temperature. It's like when you, it's like no, when you no. let water sit at room temperature for a while. Okay. Like it's not really like hot, but it's not cold. It's lava. Lava. Is it like luke, lukewarm? Lukewarm. Mm. Yeah. Lukewarm. Like yeah. That maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Lauvam. Lauvam. Mm -hmm. 
Hey, John, yeah, how are you, you can, feeling uh, about the Houston Outlaws this year? Lauvam. Lauvam. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. That would actually also, be a, an, like a proper application of the word. Yeah. Nice. Good job, John. Hell yeah. So-so. Give me a certificate. I need a certificate <laughs> for that. Pin that on my wall. So I, I have one that is a German phrase to uh, summon a demon in your living room if you have a bearded German present. Want to hear it? No. I want to. Yeah, actually, I do. Uh, Alexa, wohnzimmer Lampe rot. <laughs> oh, it's. Well, that's not oh, cool. I see it. No, I can see it through your window. I can see. Yeah, you can see like the tiny red. little dot. It yeah, goes yeah. red. That's actually terrifying. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not as bright as I anticipated. So the joke kind of fell on his nose. <laughs> Flat. Oh man. Great for the audio listeners as well. Yes. Uh, his his lamp turned red. For the audio listeners, it was all red and blinking and terrifying. Yes. For the video listeners, I can't lie to you. <laughs> Uh, that that joke was uh, Lauvan. So, oh, two points. See, that, no, he's this is something it. we can do in the chat. Me, <laughs> the chat can keep track of how many times we use the German phrase, and we'll have like a scoreboard at the oh, end of the man. week. This is gonna be fun. Inside jokes. Inside jokes. All right, we. This is an Overwatch podcast. So first and foremost, as always, housekeeping. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in, saying hello. Um, whether you're tuning in live, we stream every week at Twitch.tv/kicktripod. The times vary a little bit because, believe it or not, the guests that we have on the show are busy people. So sometimes we have to change the time of the show. It's gonna happen. But it's usually Tuesday or Wednesday. It's usually around noon Pacific time or earlier. And uh, we always post it on our Twitter at OWL Daily Show. You can find uh, everything for Tactical Crouch and Overwatch League Daily, especially as we near the season. At OWL Daily Show, search for Overwatch League Daily, search for Tactical Crouch. It's downloadable everywhere. It's on YouTube. It's on Spotify. Uh, I I think I just put it on Listen In. I guess that was a thing. Somebody posted in Reddit, be like, hey, it's not here. And so I posted it there. So it's there now. You're welcome. Who says we don't listen to feedback? We listen to feedback. Find Dang, it and now we get three views on that. That's always that's always my favorite part when people say, oh, why do you not have a podcast version? Because five of you dicks care like nobody else does. <laughs> Is that really all you get on your podcast version of thinking it over? No, it's like a 10% uh, ratio. Yeah. For us, for us, we're about 50-50. We're about 50% audio, 50% video. Really? That's crazy to me. Isn't that nuts? Is it, that do is people wild. really want to avoid looking at Joe's face so badly? Probably. Dude. And <laughs> no, because I'm just a floating face because everybody always just tells me I, I just blend in with my bed. I'm just a floating face and they're just like kind of unsettled by it. They're a little Lauvam, you know? <laughs> that was like not how you not, use it. Not, that was not, not how you use it, no. yeah. Next, go again, go again. Go GG. again. Go again. Uh, so, yeah, anyways, we're everywhere. You can find us everywhere, and uh, we appreciate any of your support. Follow a sub on YouTube, a sub on Twitch. Uh, I think I think our next thing is we're, we're doing some camera and microphone upgrades. Not for me, obviously. Because I sound amazing. But uh, for everybody else, no, just kidding. Actually, Joe looks great. Yiska, you actually look really good this week. Really? Yeah. He's glowing. Yeah. Who I don't is know she? If you've, yeah, like, I messed the around with the lighting a little bit. Yeah. Lighting helps a lot. 
It's amazing what you can do with some lights, man. It's amazing. But uh, thank you all for doing that. It means the world to us, helps us make the show better. Let's talk about IO Stucks here. And uh, Joe, I'm going to let you go first here. You're going to throw the first, the first, so- it's a softball question, I understand. No, I'm just kidding. Fastball right away. Of course, because Joe poses it. Of course, it's a softball <laughs> question. Oh, <laughs> I got him. Listen here. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Listen here. Tripod got me too good in the beginning of the episode. I gotta put that energy somewhere. <laughs> All right. So let's talk to IO stocks. Yeah. Shortly before we had gone live, we had a little bit more information coming out about the contender situation and what's going on there. And we got a little bit more clarification on the, the showdowns and what they mean for the gauntlet. So I'm sure stocks you've been asked this. At least once or twice, but any new thoughts about the uh, the international kind of scene, the international lands coming for contenders overall net positive, it feels like, but kind of wanted to get your thoughts. God bless America. It is a, <laughs> it is a fantastic change, actually. Um, I, I really, like, I always try very hard to find negatives about stuff. <laughs> because I get this is so German. Cynical, I like it. <laughs> yeah. but, no, I'm the same way. But with this, I I can't find anything that's bad about it without making incredibly unrealistic demands. Like, of course, you could always say, uh, you know, bring more teams into it, increase the price pool, like just ten, the 10 kind million. of default things. But what this change signifies to me is that they understand what we want out of contenders. And the reality is that out of contenders, I, I don't want huge prize pools or anything. What I want is the best players in contenders in the tier two scene to get all the support they need to make it into the tier one scene as long as they're good enough. And LAN experience and international competition were the biggest, I guess, hurdles that players had to face. Because whenever you would pick up a player from, say, South America, the question would always be, okay, he's doing well in South America, but how good is he going to do in OWL if he plays against Koreans? Or if a player doesn't have LAN experience, oh, you know, he does really well in scrims and in online tournaments, but what happens if we put him on a stage, right? And in the end, getting players, especially in Overwatch League, is always an investment that has a certain amount of risk into it. Because worst case, you get a player that just cannot perform, you won't be able to to sell him to another team, you won't be able to move him up to your your Overwatch League team, and he just kind of sits there, or you have to drop him, you wasted a bunch of coaching resources and money, etc. But this way, good players will have a much higher chance, especially from kind of, you know, the, the lower down regions like South America, will have a much, much fairer chance at actually getting picked up because the risk of picking them up is going to be so, so, so much lower. Interesting. Do you, do you worry that this opens up kind of, I guess worry is a, is a strong word, but... Are you concerned at all that this opens up a kind of like regional debate that like players from and we kind of already know this to be true specifically with Korea, just seeing how densely populated the Overwatch League is with, uh, you know, Eastern, you know, specifically Korean players. But, you know, is there a worry there that the, the regions can kind of clash because it is going to be so prominent from what it looks like the, the showdowns are going to kind of dictate how many slots you get into the gauntlet? It kind of is hinting at a little bit. Yeah, I'm still not sure how I feel about that 
Um, mm. To be fair, I don't fully, like, they didn't really specify exactly how it's going to impact it, but it would right. obviously be kind of depressing to see that, you know, it, it, that, you know, certain regions just won't even get the opportunity to attend, right? So first things first, I just hope that every region gets to send at least one team, no matter how bad they are, mm. right? Um, but other than that, I think, like, competition in of itself is, is fine. Um, and more importantly, I do think that at the gauntlet, this is kind of my prediction, I do think that a Korean team is going to win the gauntlet. Like, that's probably the safest bet to make right now. But that's not really what it is about. It's not necessarily that teams from other regions can beat Koreans. It's that teams from other regions can hold their own against Koreans. And that's already something that would break a lot of the conventional wisdom amongst the, amongst the coaching and the scouting scene right now. Yusuke doesn't believe that's possible. So, um, no, I, I actually think that I, I think strictly a Western roster is probably not going to ever be on average stronger, but I can see a scenario where hybrid teams become the optimal setup just because like they, for instance, if you don't utilize Europe, it feels like a wasted effort mm -hmm. when the population of South Korea and even the player base is probably much smaller than Europe. And also, there is inherent value in having two cultures, two gaming cultures or more present, because it's, it's almost a proven concept now in economics that diversity increases value uh, across several layers. Because you sort of, like the one, the one culture cares about this more, and then also you're able to incorporate, like look at the ease of use, if you have a cross roster and just bringing in top level talent you don't have to suddenly care about their nationality about their language necessarily as much you can bring in everyone right now with like for instance every solely korean team is very vulnerable to whatever happens to contenders korea and how that talent development proceeds there of course they are ahead and it doesn't seem to be the case that they, this is going to slow down anytime soon also looking at the current contenders uh, region in terms of talent. But yeah, it, it seems to me it's the more robust decision to long-term incorporate a situation. It's almost... <laughs> okay, here's the reference. Uh, if you're playing Dota Auto Chess, oh boy. then there, is, uh, there are combinations of different units that work. But if you only stick to one combination, then everyone is going to buy from the same pool and everyone's going to be weaker. So you, you flip onto the next uh, compositions and have, have a much more fluid system and therefore outperform your opponents, uh, opponents that way. I think that, that almost necessarily also because of the, the resources that we see in other regions now, or the support, I guess, um, I think that's probably going to be the solid and anti-fragile move so in the future. Before before uh, we go forward, uh, Yiska, how I feel about that analogy you just made? Mm -hmm. Love on, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't play <laughs> Dota or chess. So far, yeah. he's a, he's a, he's learning. He's a god. Three dude. or up. yeah. He's, yeah. he's smoke. Three and up. I think all I might uh, provide to this entire conversation is telling people <laughs> just... to sub to us and love on. That, that's Twitch Prime, by the way. That, that's all I do. Twitch by the Prime, way, by the way. <laughs> subscribe to the channel. No, it's, it's actually it, it's not even just about Prime, guys. We have to like. Did you read oh, what, yes. what you get yeah. with the with the pass? There's 500 bits now that you can give away if you bought the 
the past. That also so. can go to us too. So it's come true. on. I, I heard this works. I heard if you just snap and Twitch Prime, Twitch Prime, dude, they they, they just come. Unbelievable. They're summoned. I don't I don't believe it. I don't know. But we'll I'll see. also read them on on the show over the next five minutes if if it were to happen. <laughs> but I don't believe it. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's uh, get back on track here a little bit. So so I mean overall sounds like net positive <laughs> endoco 17 bits thanks sideshow overwatch not the same guy but might as well be maybe better than the actual got to get that seo up 500 <laughs> bits there it is appreciate it oh you guys are hilarious we do we do have the best but now i don't know where to go from here i mean yes guy let's let's talk a little bit from your perspective because you were just talking about um like like the Overall regional strength. Now we do have the gauntlet here, right? So, so the big crowning, you know, season one is a little bit. It's kind of like season one of Overwatch League. It's kind of like, hey guys, we're figuring this out. And season two was like, but this is the actual incarnation of what we want it to be for Overwatch League. That's probably going to be season three. Uh, <laughs> you can't donate to the show that you're on. You can't do that. Why not? Because <laughs> now, because now it's like as, as Mr. Mr. Volamel here kindly reminded me, I had five hundred bits. There so, you know, they need to go somewhere. You heard it here first. Guests now need to pay us to be on the show. Oh God. Uh, thanks, Iostas, for the five hundred bits. This show is gonna. It's not. Uh, I don't. I don't know what's what's the word for hot in German because this show is that right now. Heiss. 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 Yes. The show is Heiss. Yeah. Not Luvom, yes. it's Heiss. <laughs> just weaves him in, man. How am I supposed to beat yeah. this guy? Yeah. Dude, you got to get on the Need to go level. up into the hills and like train with some German monks and figure out how when, to. When you're just do. hosting and not actually providing any real content to the show, you got to be a good listener. You do. <laughs> That's it. That's 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 my job is to be a good listener. <laughs> Let's go back to IO Stucks. Because yes guy, I don't even know what I was gonna ask you anyway. <laughs> Just I, completely I vaguely remember about I think generally it's a good idea to have crossover competition because if if I've learned one thing in esports history, it's usually that North Americans forget how bad they are at video games. And they need to be continuously every year reminded that at least Europe gets them every single time. And true. No, generally also, I mean, honestly, it provides probably the, the regions that wins the most from this is probably uh, Contender CU, I would imagine. Because the, the attention already is on Contenders NA because of the academy teams, um, also the size of the thing, and because it's in America, has... Uh, prime uh, shoutcasters and everything. The product is just, I would say, uh, high quality. And then in Europe, I mean, depending on the times when it's broadcasted and everything, and the fact that we only have now, I mean, one academy team or two coming, or coming to two. Um, yeah, I think uh, that should certainly help because let's say look at the if we look at the amount of recruitments that we had from europe i think it's underrepresented from the skill level that it actually represents so for instance mm -hmm. one player that i'm looking at that 
defies our log- logic that he hasn't been picked up is, for instance, Davin. Or, yeah, yeah. That's actually yeah. the best example, I think. Next to maybe Vizility, I think, is also high. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. It is actually insane that they still are where they are. Any, uh, I, like, do you, do you have a, an opinion as to, like, why you think they might not be there? Like, is it tryouts? Is it just, like, not fitting um, with the right team, getting with the right team? So, for Devin, I genuinely don't know. I, oh my god, I gen, I have no idea. Um, for Vizility, I think, I'm not sure, I think it might be because of, potentially, because he's, like, a little bit on the, I guess, older side, so maybe... Teams are thinking that it's kind of a risky investment to go for that. Um, but I don't know for Dev and I, I generally have no clue. Maybe it's something behind, behind the scenes that we just don't know about. But as a player, I think he would definitely do really, really well. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Can, can confirm. I think Davin is super underrated. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if the, the narrative saw out there that he doesn't do well in trials, but I don't, I don't think that's necessarily true. I, I do think it's something out of the ordinary that you can't really change. One thing, uh, um, to be fair, though, um, there, there's been kind of a hit scan hell uh, almost. Yeah, yeah. One thing that might be very likely, actually, is that Devin just couldn't make the transition to Zarya that well, which means that over the past few months where he was pretty much forced onto Zarya for, you know, mm-hmm. every single game he played, he just couldn't really shine as much. So maybe, you know, as new patches come around as, and as Goats hopefully starts to fall away a little bit, players like him get the opportunity to shine on the character that he's really known for, because he's not mm-hmm. known for Zarya, he's known for his, mm-hmm. for his mech mostly. Interesting. Yeah. That said, I, I was still already confused when the, he wasn't picked up in Overwatch League Season 1 because in my mind there were two, three pl- traces in Europe that were pretty com- uh, comparable in, in skill and w- what they provided with Davin being sort of a little bit up because he won contenders that season and the, the other two were Mistakes and Snillo and if I had to take one of the three I would have probably gone with Devin at that time already so uh, it is confusing to see this uh, continuously happening. So, for instance, one team that I could could have seen him slot in, for instance, Houston Outlaws, though I understand that you probably want Dante just for brand and you know, because he's North American. And, um, but, and he fills yeah. all the holes that the Houston Outlaws had, by the way. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the copy pasta of the week. Yeah. I, I don't know how... So, if, if Outlaws argues that they would have gotten into playoffs if they had a Tracer because they would have uh, won more King of the Hill matches, well, on one hand, feels bad for, uh, for uh, Clockwork. Um, but on the other hand, I don't think it's as easy to compare that to... to the season now everyone got so much better like ju- you're not going to be in a position in the first place now where you get getting to the game five like just by not upgrading and your players getting older and i would i would say just just from esports history the core of fnr gfe was always something that was going to expire much quicker than other core rosters that were picked up so yeah, it's it's not looking pretty in my mind for them. 
So, uh, Stux, I do want to ask you, so before we talk about coaching and VOD review stuff, every, <laughs> every, have you gotten a chance to take a look at our power rankings? Um, it's okay. I if have you didn't. seen them. Yeah. No, no. I, I obviously they were on Reddit, so I did see them, but <laughs> I don't like have them in my mind exactly. I know that. Okay. You know, Justice and you know Chengdu are somewhere down there, and then you know obviously Bitfire and Nixel are near the top, which is to be expected. Yeah. <clears throat> are there are there any teams that you feel like are overall overrated or underrated? Well, huh, okay, so. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make some. So I wanted to save this for later, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make some hot takes here. Okay, some yes! very hot takes oh. that I will probably takes. regret. Our heist okay. takes. Heist so takes. So hot, hot hot take number one. Yeah. Terrace Atonal is gonna be super super bad at the start, but they're gonna be in the end the team that improves the most from from how they played at the start compared to how they played near the end of the season. And in terms of overestimations and underestimations, I think Shanghai is being a little overestimated. And I think Chengdu might be slightly underestimated. Yes, the pander. And, uh, just yeah, so you, I think, if I, if I have, if I would have to be more concrete, so this is like the hottest of takes. Um, I'd say the top six teams, and it, this is very unlikely, but I'm gonna feel so good about myself in case it happens. I think the top six teams in the end are gonna be London, NYXL, Philadelphia, Shock Fuel, and Shock Fuel and who? Shock Shock Fuel and Paris. Mm. Like end of season, okay. yeah, at the, so like at the in the playoffs, like yeah. like overall. Yeah, so this is all the way at the end. Once they've gotten you know their season's mm. worth of experience, yeah, Paris can sign six new players pretty easily. I think. So not unheard of. Why do you go against conventional wisdom that says Paris is currently at an advantage because they have the goats? knowledge that brought in by uh Fefe, for instance or just their the players uh from um eagle gaming where now we think okay so paris was scrimming against these good european um goats teams all the time uh and therefore had an advantage over playing frankly contenders in a i, I think there's no way that the top three for instance in contenders Europe wouldn't have dominated in NA, by the way. So why do you think that Paris is going to start the season off slow, even though the advantage should be the biggest for them now? I also think... with bands and everything. Mm -hmm. I think the reason they're going to start off slow is because they're a team that none of the players on their team have really been out of EU until they got signed to Overwatch League. So one of the biggest, biggest issues that they're going to have at the start is just transitioning. They need to transition from, uh, you know, from the, I don't want to like go too hard on EU, but like EU was kind of a, a mess just because it wasn't supported and it's kind of a feels bad man. They, they need to go from that kind of left in the dust region all the way into the overworld. And I think for a lot of those players, that is going to be a very, very harsh transition. Whereas with players that have been on academy teams or players that have been in Korea, that transition is going to be a lot easier because they're a lot more used to that kind of structured environment. Or in the case of Koreans, they're more used to you know playing on stage, the the, the harsher schedules, etc. And the reason I think that they're going to improve so much is because I have an incredible amount of respect in their coaching staff, especially in relation to how other regions play. So EU has always been a very, very unique region. So 
if you put it into words, NA usually always tries to just look at what Korean teams do mostly, and then they try to improve upon it. But EU doesn't do that. What EU coaches mostly did is, obviously, you know, with the case of GOATS, okay, you know, they did take that from other regions and they tried to perfect it. But they've been playing tanks well before GOATS got meta. So their understanding of the game already is very different from other regions. And I think that is going to catch a lot of the teams currently in the League of Guard, especially those who have played last season, because we didn't really have a lot of pure European influences. And as the season progresses, I think Paris will be, the, I guess, one of the most unique teams, because Fefe and Saita, who in my opinion, they're... I would go as far as, as, you know, one of the best coaches that the scene has to offer. They're ridiculously talented. They're going to figure out, like, I do really believe in them, and I think they're going to figure out how to catch these other teams off guard. Consistently, though, and with hardware that is really leaving something to be desired, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, it's a it's a, it's it's a hot take. Most of my these I guess hot takes are mostly based on the on the on the coaching decisions. Obviously, because I'm slightly biased as a coach, I look more at what the coaching stuff looks like than what the actual player. Obviously, the players do play a part. Um, but I have, for example, with the with the shock. One of the reasons that I rate the shock so highly is because I think having Krusty is going to be an incredible change for them. Like, there is no way that Shock right now, this season, isn't going to be, like, a, almost a completely different team compared to how they were in Season 1, just because of the staff change. Where, where do you have yeah. the Gladiators? Because if, you, if that, that's your top six, where do you put a team like the Gladiators? Probably right behind that. Like, 7th, 8th, somewhere around there. Like, definitely top 50%. Okay, fair enough. I want to talk a little bit about coaching with you, Iostex. Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about VOD review, because VOD review is kind of a, a really interesting term uh, when it comes to uh, Overwatch overall, but also probably as a coach. And we know that the coaches in Overwatch League have some tools that uh, other coaches and analysts may not have in contenders or even just as like YouTube content creators. So... Rick, what, what, what tool do you think they have that we don't? So they have the, um, they have some of the, the in-game replay systems stuff. So they have uh, some of the top-down stuff. Do they? That's what Sideshow from, Brad from had from yeah. yeah. From, okay, because from what I heard, so this might just be outdated, maybe they updated. The last thing that I heard is that they have access to those things but not outside of the matches. So during the, yes. you know, while they're in their box, they, they have access to those, but they can't actually like rewatch them afterwards. They still have to rely on the uh, tournament game footage. But so my, again, my, and again, my understanding was that they have, they have access to basically any of the feeds that could be broadcast during Overwatch League uh, afterwards. So if if there is a overhead view set up, they have access to it. But if there's not, they don't. That's my understanding. But needless yeah, to I am, say, I'm not sure. So the last information I had that they didn't, but maybe they. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they updated that. Sideshow's yeah, a liar. Nice. 
Lies. I mean, okay. If, I mean, if if Sideshow said it, then obviously I, uh, the only thing I can confirm is that in season one that wasn't the case. In season one, Overwatch League coaches only had access to what anybody else had, pretty much. And maybe maybe they for competitive integrity, maybe coaches had something different than what like the Overwatch League casters and analysts have. Mm. Like um, that, that, I can could... actually comment on that because when I was in LA for the uh, Contenders season two, that was done in the Blizzard arena. So I was in the room. Um, that they had, and pretty much the way it is, there's like four monitors in this kind of, you know, infinity like surround setup, um, which had all of the feeds on it at once. And the screens were large enough to where you can make out each individual screen. So uh, I could go from watching, you know, the 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 bird's eye view to like the top-down map view to what is currently on the stream. So that's what that looks like. You have like the little table, and you can take that. Right. So my understanding, and again, I, I could have totally taken this out of context. My understanding was mm -hmm. they actually have those views cached. Uh, yeah, if for... that's the case, then that's awesome. That's, that's awesome. Really, that's but a anyways, good change then. Yeah. Not totally relevant to the question I wanted to ask you. Yeah. With the all-access pass, having first-person cameras, what questions are you looking... Like, I mean, hey, how is this going to change how you VOD review? And, and, and what are you going to be looking for, uh, like looking for as you are now able to kind of pick and choose who you do and how many uh, VPNs are you going to set up so that you can uh, control so like 12 VPNs I don't know how much that is like what $5 a month times 12 so like $60 a month will you be paying that or will the Boston Uprising team be that? No, okay. uh, um, so the other questions Um, I think uh, so, so regarding that thing, actually, I think there's probably going to be some madman out there that is going to record all of the theories mm -hmm. and upload them to like a subreddit. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if someone would actually go to that extent. Um, regarding bot reviews, though, this is something that I've been advocating for ever since the start. The worst thing you can do when you vod review is go in looking for something. Because if you look for something specific, it is going to be very, very difficult to find something that goes against that like that's just traditional confirmation bias so if a player thinks oh you know i i don't know like my aim is the issue or something mundane as that if he goes into his bud reviews the only thing he's going to see is oh i wouldn't have died here if i managed to one clip this and yata right and we can also apply that to the all access pass bots so if you go in with the with the idea that oh i really really want to focus on how he does that what ends up happening is that you end up missing the the bigger picture kind of like a big puzzle right where if you look at the individual pieces you're just making it very difficult on yourself but the further you go out and the the the, the bigger the context gets the more sense everything makes so what i usually recommend is a style of review called reference reviewing and the idea is that you use those all access pods as references that you study ideally from as many different players as possible and you just try to almost subconsciously just try to figure out how they play. You, you kind of develop a feel for it. And if you do that for long enough, as soon as you switch back to your own gameplay with this new frame of reference, you're almost automatically going to pick out differences. So it's, it's kind of like if, if, if you have a 4.6K player and you show him the VOD of like a silver player, he's going to be, you know, he's going to cringe almost. Even though he can't fully put into words what the silver level player is doing wrong and what he should do, he can tell this doesn't feel right you know this feels awkward to look at and the same thing happens if you spend two hours watching povs with the all access pass and all of a sudden you go back to your own bots 
And the same thing also applies to macro-level gameplay, where if you watch Overwatch League, you get an entire evening of Overwatch League, and all of a sudden you switch back to your team's VODs, all of a sudden differences that have been there all the time are going to become so much more apparent because there's this contrast between the high-level play and what you're currently sitting. Also, I think uh, Tripod is... Uh... Yeah, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. No, that, that makes a whole lot of sense. Like the... The idea of sort of like passive absorbing of differences is, as far as I know, sort of researched. Not, I'm not sure how well, but I've seen, for instance, um, approaches, and I'm not sure how much trickery there is. But I remember, for instance, seeing like a uh, Dan Brown, um, was it Dan Brown yeah, format? I think so. Where he uh, got someone to participate in like a common knowledge uh, quiz at his local pub, and what he had him do was just scan pages on a, a dictionary and just go through all every page, every page, and then when it came to the question, just look at the images that pop up, just subconsciously. Now, of course, this being like a show format it's it's very possible that there was some sort of trickery going on beforehand but i think generally the concept uh applies in some ways i i know um for instance what what always helped me studying was uh sort of playing the for instance like recording something for me the process of recording which reiterated and then just listening to it almost in the same sense that you learn a song let's say you don't sit at home like learning a Madonna song that gets stuck in your head. You just know it, right? Because of repetition and like being exposed to it. Uh, again, on the analogy though. Uh, oh come on, Luvam is that the right word? Luvam, dang it! I did five in a row. You why <laughs> why Madonna is what I want to know. Like why Madonna? I don't know. I looked at Joe's window and I was like, he probably listens to Madonna. <laughs> what? You can barely see my window. How does that discern my musical tastes? That is weird. so freaking accurate, actually. It is oh my my God. That's a Madonna curtain if I've ever seen one, man. I don't know what to tell you. Swear. But I, I guess the idea behind the question was that, like, we've all been kind of asking for this, this kind of vod you know accessibility for overwatch league for a long time now and that's something that everybody's kind of just been like feverishly wanting and i feel like we're chasing uh you know we're, we're a dog metaphorically chasing a squirrel in the backyard and we don't really know what we'll do when once we get it so it was kind of just explaining maybe the thought process of like maybe a higher end coach but yeah i think that that subsequently uh fits really well so thanks joe where do you want to go next here with this one um, I think a good transition would be from those VODs, how, how do you or how would you recommend somebody, you know, asking for a friend, of course, um, how would you improve on kind of looking at the macro play specifically or, or maybe even like individual plays? What about how do, how do you go about studying that and how do you kind of come to um, the closest truth that you can to kind of provide to your team? How, how do you go about that with these VODs? It would be my question. So I'm going to go, mm, 
So I'm gonna give like a bit more, I guess, of a high-level coach's perspective here, rather sure, than of a viewer's perspective, because they just don't know how, yeah, how it's best for viewers. But from a coaching perspective, um, macro and or how you improve at macro level analysis and micro level analysis is pretty much the same. So mm. for micro, the important thing is that you will never be able to match a player uh, in in terms of knowledge on. Uh, on, on how much they know about that character. But what you can do is you can gain a bigger variety of that knowledge. Because coaching someone on a, on a micro level is rarely just telling them concepts that you came up with yourself at this level. Because chances are they know most of those already. Um, so for me personally, in, in the off role, I have coached Icy, I've coached Mystic, I've coached Waifu, I coached Huyol, and now with Uprising Academy, we have, we have Punk and Craig. And I know how those players play off tank. I know what little tricks they used. I know how they made their decision. So what I do is I think back on those players. I figure out what good habits they made, what cool tricks that they knew. And then I just take all of them and I just pump them into whoever I'm coaching right now. Right. So certain tricks on how to use Diva Bomb, for example. I didn't come up with it myself. I don't play enough Diva to come up with that stuff. But you know, maybe I've seen it being executed by who we are, right? So the best way to learn micro is to just study as many different players as possible. And the best way to study macro and kind of, you know, how strategies are formed and how they're executed is instead of looking at as many different players, we just look at as many different um, teams. And so I'm going to go a bit in depth here. A lot of people are yes. probably going to think that, oh, you know, you're kind of a, you know, you're kind of a shy coach if you don't come up with anything yourself and you just leech off of the work of others. You know, you just look at what other off-tank players do and you just copy it, or you look at what other teams do and you, you copy it. But, but that's not really true. So I have, you know, taught myself a decent bit about the game and, you know, made connections as every player that spends a lot of time does. It's pretty much unavoidable. But being a coach is not just about knowing a lot about the game because you can be the smartest coach ever, but if you can't actually put that knowledge into your players properly, then you won't get anywhere. So... The way that you improve at Overwatch as an individual or as a team is not really by coming up with new stuff all the time and reinventing the game. It's by picking up on what players and teams do that works and figuring out why it works. Because, and this is very important, a lot of people don't understand it. Some people have this idea of, of pro players as people that have a million different thoughts going through their heads and everything they do in game is, is calculated. You know, there, there's this Twitch chat meme where whenever there's a sick play, people are like, you know, calculated almost like in a sarcastic way like oh there's mm. no way that he yeah. thought about that but a lot of players play very very intuitively and they do good things subconsciously without even thinking about it same thing with teams some teams develop natural synergy and they make really smart plays together without even thinking about it and so what i do is i find those things i understand why they work and then i use that understanding to kind of create my own you know iostacks improved tm version of it and that's essentially what coaching is. It's just sucking in the knowledge from the entire scene, filtering out all of the garbage, and then, you know, picking out the diamonds and just giving them polish, more and more polish until they're, they're perfect for whatever level that you, that you play with. I mean, the original team, the, 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 the GOATS team back when they existed, they hmm. came up with GOATS, but it didn't take very long for them to no longer be the best team at GOATS. So chances are that if you come up with your own stuff, Someone else is just going to take it and going to create a better version of it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so you, you don't really get anywhere in esports as a coach if you're so proud of yourself that you tell yourself, oh, you know, I, don't just, I just want to copy from other people. I want people to name strategies after me. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to 
you know, do things like the, the LA Gladiators bamboozle. And that is like a case where, you know, coaches do come up with their own stuff, where they're like, oh, okay, you know, I'm a creative guy and how the game works. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna do this weird stuff, right? And okay, though, th 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 that's true, but that is just, there's a reason why this bamboozle was so special and it didn't keep happening. <laughs> You see, you see, Joe is secretly fuming because he's like, but in season two of Apex, <laughs> Metathena, I wrote an article about yes. this. They okay. copied. <laughs> Which honestly proves my point because Gladiators yeah. just took it exactly. and then they made it better. Right. There's so also, there you go. How that makes you have. There's also the kick tripod dive, if you guys haven't heard about it, which is just mm. six. Uh, DPS players diving on supports. That's how you win games. So the kick Still tripod dive coming to an Overwatch League season near you. <laughs> it's uh, branded market it. It's very one good. other very important thing uh, that I need to mention, and this is this is kind of a life lesson actually. So this isn't specifically to coaching, but one of the biggest realizations that I had as I learned coaching is that humans suck at creating new things, but they're so good at improving sucky things, right? So my sister, she's like into art. She does like drawings and stuff. So I kind of did some research. And what they do in art schools is they don't just tell the students, you know, here's what you should draw, just go and draw it. And then once you've drawn it, here's another thing you should draw and, and draw it. They didn't do that. What they do is they say, here's a topic, just make a sketch of it, like a quick 20 minute sketch. And obviously the sketch looks horrid. And they only spent 20 seconds on it uh, or minutes. But, but then they take that and they, they see the flaws in it and they start improving on it and they do another iteration and another iteration and another iteration. And spending 20 hours just going through iteration, iteration, iteration of improving whatever was before rather than just trying to paint the, paint the perfect picture right from the start is going to yield much, much better results. And another reason why this is so important is because creating new things and improving already existing things are two very different skills, right? So the more time you spend improving bad things the better you'll get at it and the more time you spend you know creating new things the better you're gonna get at that uh, i see messages in the chat oh okay don't worry about it it's it's, it's fine we're um good. We're good. so in the end a coach that spends so my split i would say is around 90 so i spend 90 percent of the time just looking at what other teams do what other players do i try to figure out how it works and i'm gonna try to improve it maybe 10 percent is just the odd oh you know this this could work you know let's just give it a shot in scrims right um and i think that is the most optimal way in the end to coach and that is the most consistent way of seeing results with the players that you work with so i wanted to branch off on two topics there um because i i just wanted to kind of confirm that it sounds like at least for me you know in my my smooth baby baby smooth peanut brain that you're you're kind of referencing like building good habits for the players so you take all this information you filter it down you kind of remove the garbage like you mentioned and you're giving them you know these these sketches that they have to do right these these paths they have to take you know maybe we don't want to take this path during this rotation maybe we need to do you know with with this ability up we need to go this way and, and we want to consistently do that um do you think in the future, we'll be getting kind of drills like that. Is the next evolution in Overwatch kind of having teams drill, or is that something that we've already started to see, you know, in contenders or even in, in the mm -hmm. Overwatch League? So the problem with drills specifically is that they are very rarely super applicable. Um, okay. One, uh, actually, someone messaged me like a while back. You know, he, he said he was on like an open division team, and he was wondering, you know, what, what kind of drills do you do with your team that we could be copied? And I just had to tell him, we don't do drills and hmm. 
I don't know of a single coach that does, you know, drills over just either doing a VOD review or, or scrimming. Um, and I think it's just because the game is a little bit too dynamic. Drilling is, it can give results, but it is not very efficient for the amount of time that you spend in it compared to the results you're getting, because you're only preparing for one specific situation. Right. Now, if you have a very, very fundamental issue, a really fundamental issue, like, um, I don't know, maybe you play dive comp, and mm -hmm. uh, what ends up happening is that the Genji always dashes in first, right? And he just gets one shot instead of just waiting for the tank. Right? Kick tripod that dive, is something... by the way. That's what the kick tripod dive actually is. <laughs> tripod dive, exactly. So that is something where a drill could potentially help, where you just go into a custom game, spend like an hour just, you know, going three, two, one, go on the Zen uh, against like the coach or something on the other team, and you just try to get the timing as synced up as possible. But again, okay. that is only a good idea if that is like a very, very fundamental right. issue, and you know that the amount of time you put into fixing that issue is going to be more valuable than, say, you know, scrimming a little bit extra. Or so so it's almost thing. more like mini drills, not necessarily like, you know, we're just going to drill the same rotation on the same map over and over for one point. It's like mm -hmm. you're going into a scrim, and correct me if I'm wrong or, you know, I'm misquoting you, but it sounds like you're going into a scrim and saying, wow. you know, we want to use transcendence for this particular ultimate and not this one so we kind of want to like break down that habit for that player is, is that kind of or like what yeah. you mentioned with the genji where today we're going to actually work on genji going first or whatever going third whatever exactly. is that kind of okay yes and, yes and the other thing because i know that you've worked with you know just any anybody from you know reddit anybody who wants to kind of hire you as is this kind of mercenary coach almost to kind of coach them for their ladder play um do you notice that people always want to be innovators is that something that's kind of just inherent in the human code because it feels just like playing a lot of games meeting people you know kind of spectating esports for a while now it feels like people do want to be innovators and they have this kind of like incessant need or want to do so do you f have you found that in in any of the, the players that you've coached is that kind of a pattern that you see um okay so for letter players it's actually the exact opposite mm, okay. because to them innovating and figuring stuff out by themselves is just too much effort they can't be bothered mm. right instead of just figuring out what sensitivity they're comfortable with they go and just you know hey what sensitivity does rio jihong use and they just copy it right right um i i use uh, that sensitivity actually <laughs> the kick tripod dive there you go okay ice cold um, so ice cold see we're learning even more temperatures <laughs> ice cold ice cold very nice um but for higher level teams we, mm -hmm. we can even see them so again okay so i need to preface this okay a freaking love promise okay marvin schroeder okay he's my he's my my broody as we as we say in germany right he's he's, he's no we don't guy. <laughs> no, no we, we do, don't we do, we do in some very shady corners in in frankfurt okay I understand. at least we did in like 2012 but okay um but what what he did in season uh, three so in in the last contender season i think that is a good example of what happens when you try to innovate more than adapting what other teams do and just mm. doing it better right where um you know he was very focused on uh and, and and you know to a certain extent it makes sense right he did he doesn't just want his you know flex dps on brig all day because how is that going to help him get scouted right so i can understand his reasoning but if we just look purely at results then trying to always innovate isn't going to be the best thing because it's kind of a gamble it's very inconsistent yeah. sometimes you find this amazing strategy 
and you, you take the finals tournament. Uh, or most of the time you just f go over fluke and fluke and fluke, and because you don't get any consistent practice, because you're always experimenting, no synergies being built in the team. You're not actually practicing one thing. It's it's like that Bruce Lee quote, right? Where mm -hmm. you know you, you don't fear a man that has practiced uh, you know ten thousand kicks. You you practice you, you fear the man that has practiced one kick ten thousand times. And it's kind of the same thing with innovating over just adapting and improving. Okay. Hmm. I like it. I feel yeah. smarter now. My IQ has uh, been boosted. <laughs> I think also general. <laughs> I also think generally um, the the practice of innovating almost in all areas is doomed to at least you if you innovate it has to be a very opportune and asymmetric value situation where winning that one match or being good on that one even uh, weekend gives you exponential. Uh, return for the investment that doesn't work in contenders or the overwatch league unless you're in the playoffs right because winning that one game even if it turns out to be a better idea now other players are coming and taking your idea and with very limited time let's say two or three weeks they learn to play your approach better than you do because you've you've try to get the flexibility down instead of honing the or selecting for the ability to uh, specialize and now you are forced to consistently keep up and it's just not overwatch as a game does just doesn't lend itself to it even though we, theoretically we thought it would but as we've met overwatch the game over the the years i don't think that's an inherent property of overwatch i agree wholeheartedly Yes. Yes. <laughs> Not enough drama in this podcast. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about drama here then. Uh, season two of Overwatch League. Many people are concerned about goats. We've had goats for eight months. How long? Longer than Dive. Dive never even existed. We love Dive. I wish we would see Dive <laughs> back. You know, all that kind of stuff that we're seeing right now. I, I need to know. I need, I, need a, I need a silver lining here. Season two for you. Dive? Are are we gonna see? Uh, or sorry, goats? Are we gonna see a ton of of goats? What do you What do you think that we're gonna be seeing in season one of Overwatch League? So I think the last question kind of answered this question. The higher the level of play, the more you're getting punished for innovating. So you have a lot of players that grew up in a goats meta. You have teams that have been practicing a lot of goats meta. It's very established. People know how it works, right? And then your patch comes around. So now they have the choice. Okay, do you want to spend these one or two months practicing new comps? Or are we just going to practice goats? Because that's what we know. That's how we can effectively coach. That's really how we can, you know, what we can do. So the reason why I think Overwatch League is going to be mostly goats is not because I necessarily think that goats is the strongest comp on every single map. I just think that not running goats and trying to figure out other stuff is just way too risky for pretty much any Overwatch League in the season, in, in, in the So yes, I think there's pretty much just going to be GOATs, especially at the start, maybe later on. Um, but yeah, it'll take some time. Can I, can I get you, though, before Joe asks his questions, just to say Kick Tripod Dive will be the meta in Season 2 of Overwatch League? No. Every time you mention Kick Tripod Dive, you should just get minus points. It's going to be a thing, mom. guys. I, no. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get IO sucks to say it by the end of the show. 
I'm good. Only Shock could play it feasibly as well. It's true. That or NYXL. Oh, NYXL as well. It works. Actually, yeah. Uh, Joe, what were you going to ask? Yeah. When it comes to innovation, though, would you say that Overwatch League is the best ecosystem to innovate because you are kind of safe and in the sense that there is no relegation you're not kind of fighting for this grand prize of you know potentially moving up to the biggest stage you're already at the biggest stage your your team isn't going anywhere your franchise slot isn't going anywhere wouldn't the, this be the time to ideally yes but not no. exactly because, okay i see because we're talking about multi-million dollar investments we're talking yes. about branding public perception getting titles those are the things that are important. So even though there is not an like an Overwatch League, Overwatch League, like like the next step exactly. above, um, they still want to win, which is why I think it's the exact opposite. Actually, mm. how much innovation happens uh, scales with how little there is to lose. Actually, which is why I think that contenders is going to have. So the lower you go, the more innovation yields. So in Overwatch League. We're just going to have pretty much goats anywhere. In contenders, I think you're going to have goats on the majority of the maps. But on some maps, teams are going to look at their strengths, at their rosters, and maybe try to innovate, figure out mm -hmm. new stuff, right? So we're going to see, you know, maybe triple DPS, quad DPS, all of that stuff. And then in open division, if you guys watch that, that's really where, you know, people go a little, go they a little just go wild. Crazy. And, Mass you know, seven who gaming. knows? Let's go. Maybe, maybe... Maybe the kick tripod dive is gonna, oh, gonna really on. manifest itself in in open. <laughs> so do you do you feel like that is kind of because there there's kind of a, a dichotomy there in the sense that on the flip side, obviously in the lower levels of play, you also have you know lower overall skill, less time dedicated to the game, less coaching support and staff, less financial support and therefore time support. So like. I get what you're saying, and I totally agree. And it's it's a travesty that it's not the other way, where the best players in the world get rewarded for innovating and you know moving the meta forward. But don't you think that there's some level of, uh, like it it's great that Moss Seven Club innovated in you know China Season Two. That's the only reference that I have. Um, and they you know obviously that would never fly once you get to players at the caliber of Overwatch League. You know, you don't run Bastion... What was it? Bastion, Arisa, Reinhardt on Volskaya Attack yeah, Point A? Dang. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, is is there... Memes. You know, there, there's kind of... There feels like, as as the skill raises, though, as well, those cheesy comp step... Or, you know, where, where I am, you know, anywhere between Silver and Masters, I'll let you guess, chat, uh, where you know where I am, obviously you know any team can win with anything, and that's not untrue. That becomes less true as you as you climb up the the physical actual ladder. Uh, but once you actually get into competitive play, it's I I feel like it's still true. Low gold, you're wrong, Matador. You're wrong. So yeah, so the the thing is, so for one, it's safety, and it's also how comps work as skill improves. So. It is much safer to let contenders teams figure out stuff, um, you know, kind of as a proof of concept, and then you start spending time as, as an Overwatch team looking into that instead of just trying to innovate on your own. Um, but another reason is, and this is another reason why I think that contenders is going to be more varied meta-wise slightly mm -hmm. than Overwatch League, is because 
what a comp essentially is and what you need to think about when looking at a comp is you need to look at how difficult it is to make mistakes with that comp and how easy it is to punish mistakes with that comp. So you can have a comp that is very good at punishing mistakes, that is, you know, in theory, very, very strong, but realistically speaking, it is just way too inconsistent, it requires too much coordination, uh, it, it requires, you know, your DPS to be super warm, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But as you get lower in skill level, two factors become more important. For one, teams are going to make more mistakes that you can punish, which means that even if they run a meta comp, there are going to be weaknesses within that meta comp in the way that they're executed that you can specifically target and that you can specifically punish. And also, because there are these weaknesses, say, you know, a, a team runs GOATs, um, but they're, you know, they're not really that coordinated. Their rotations are kind of bad. And when your rotations are really, really bad, then GOATs is going to struggle a lot against, you know, very spammy comps, right? Whereas if your rotations are on point, you know, good teams have no issue just you know, sweeping out the high ground in unison, that's completely fine. So you could look at your, at, at your team strengths and contenders and say, okay, you know, GOATS is the meta, but maybe if I look at my roster, if I look at, you know, what other teams are running, maybe I can catch them by surprise because another advantage of innovation is that if you come up with a new comp, other teams won't be able to practice against it. So in, in a tournament setting, depending on how short notice, I guess you came up with the comp, you're going to be able to just, you know, catch them off guard. They won't be able, they're, they're not going to have any practice against it, ideally. Yeah. The, the, what you said, right, about the, the feasibility of uh, trying to, trying out new comps, right? And that this is, of course, there's much less risk for uh, tier three teams simply because there's no investment into them and mostly doing it in an amateur way, but... Do you think there's realistically a parallel universe where the team GOATS actually never materializes, never gets into Tier 3, never plays it, never rolls Tier 2 for a while at least, and makes that impact in order to publicize that comp? And do you think in that universe we're playing something different now? Do you think that has this butterfly effect? No. I think even if GOATS themselves wouldn't have come up with the comp, the composition in of itself would have come eventually, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, maybe just under a different name, of course. But over the long run, um, people are going to figure out that certain characters like Brigitte, for example, just scale extremely well. Uh, they're going to look at EU and they're going to see the value of, of tanks. And, you know, they're going to put one and, you know, one together and they'll come up with, you know, what we know as GOATs. So I think even in an alternate universe, if where the team didn't exist, the team comp would have developed over time. Interesting. I we're we're running out of time here. I, I do have one last question for you, and then maybe maybe Joe and Yisco have more. And I want to talk. Uh, go back to Uprising Academy because they've been one of the most successful academy teams in contenders as far as moving players forward from academy uh academy sorry onwards. Uh. Do you, do you have anything that you can attribute this to? Like, what part of that legacy do you want to be a part of? I mean, you know, just give us give us that academy team rah rah. I guess a little bit here, and, and tell us what you think about what they've done so far and what you're hoping to do in the future. A big part of that is Huck, probably because what Huck, uh, he's very different from I guess other managers that I know and that I've 
worked with in the way he thinks about up and coming talent because he he, he's the first person that I've worked with that doesn't just look at immediate results like, oh, this player is super good, he had a really good run at the World Cup, I'm, I'm just going to pick him up and we're going to get free wins. Um, but whenever he looks at a player, and, and I actually think, I think that's very respectable, he looks about where is that player going to be once you know, we've put him through our coaching staff for, for six months. And that's the player that he evaluates instead of the player that he's looking at right now. Um, and... That also makes it a little bit easier for players to, to look good, essentially. Because if you look at a player that isn't really that good when you pick him up, but you know he's going to be good once you coach him, then that is going to look good to other teams. Because they see, oh, okay, you know, this player was kind of a no one. And very, very quickly, he built himself, you know, he kind of made a name for himself. So they know that the player is very coachable. They know that there's a lot of, you know, a possibility to, to develop him, right? So it's, it's almost like a proof of concept. But sure. when you're looking at star players, one of the issues with star players that you just pick up is that you have no way of knowing whether they stagnated. And I don't want to call like specific players out, obviously, but there are players that look very, Flower. very good, but that look very, very good, but that in my opinion are already that are already very, very close to their ceiling. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I respect you, ISX. I don't think I could do that. I, yeah, I could have. I, yeah, I wouldn't have been able to. No, like, I, I definitely agree. Also, just in terms of trajectory, it's, it's sometimes also hard if you're picking players up from, a, let's say, another academy team to really judge, is he just not being facilitated um, enough? Mm by the coaching staff, you almost have to then evaluate the coaching staff that they have and say, okay, they didn't realistically didn't get the attention that they needed in order to improve, right? And maybe there is hidden um, resources that currently aren't being utilized. And I guess in that sense, I think in some sense, if you have the skill, that sort of narcissism of saying, I can do it better than someone else is useful. It also leads to a lot of downfalls where you say, well, I think I can make Pimento play <laughs> consistently at a top level. Like that, stuff like that can backfire, certainly. So I, I do have I do have a question then as a follow up uh, to that. Let me see if I, I'm going to try really hard to phrase this right because I suck at phrasing questions, especially when Yiska is around. So. I, 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 I love the idea. And, and again, I've been, I've got my Boston t-shirt right there in the closet. I wear it often, just not on stream uh, because I don't want to seem biased. Uh, but uh, I've got my Boston Uprising t-shirt. They're one of my, you know, one of probably three teams that I cheer for right now. Um, I just moved to uh, San Jose, so I'm kind of a San Francisco fan as well. And, uh, you know, I love the idea of, you know, kind of this developing young talent and kind of seeing beyond where they are now and where they could be. I love that. That sounds amazing. I, I But I do struggle to believe that there's just one team that actually has the foresight to think that way. Like, I feel like every GM, every coach is not just looking at uh, where the player is now, but what they look like in, you know, in a year or in six months. And do, is is it really does Boston, in your opinion, take that much 
uh, more intentional of approach there and other teams aren't doing that just because they want the immediate payoff or um so i obviously don't know like how every single team's management operates right um especially with teams from other regions i'm mostly limited to na but i can very confidently say that in na when it comes to valuing players based on where they'll be six months from now boston and uprising academy is very very unique in that way and i haven't seen that kind of mindset um like because obviously you know teams can say it but i think uprising is really the first team that doesn't just say like they actually did it you know they're they're actively doing it there's actual proof mm -hmm. isn't part of the formula also just a an unbelievable amount of work in terms of just scrimming so many people you mean from what in, i've heard you mean you mean screaming a lot of people as in trials or screaming a lot of people trials sorry well? yes trials oh yeah um pretty much yeah so having the open trials obviously helps a lot with with finding new talent and i can't go too much into how those trials worked but sure. beyond just the trials being open there was a lot of behind the scenes stuff that made sure that every single player in those trials you know got the attention that they needed in order to really evaluate whether they're worth a look enough. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, beyond tryouts, the only thing you can really look at is VODs, which are pretty difficult to get because as soon as you ask for VODs, it kind of gives away information about your team. Like, hmm, why is he asking for the VODs of our, you know, of our tank player? Um, and, you know, so the other alternative is looking at stream VODs, which isn't really that reflective of, you know, how the players truly are. So it wouldn't really be fair to just use that i frag on stream oh. by the way so if you want to sign me i'm very coachable so, so. is jonek <laughs> yeah uh, so true what i think about jonek no no no. it's just a, a jab uh, i guess because jonek frags uh, on stream and oh okay. you know that's the best evidence of it mm -hmm. okay what uh, what <laughs> he knows what i'm talking about that's okay uh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah that's <sighs> two, two inside joke there uh I know it's a little Alvam, but you know you got to get him in there. There you, go. there you go. There you go. Oh, we got one! Hey, let's go. It took him one hour and eleven minutes <laughs> to finally use Alvam correctly. One, one last lighthearted thing. I, I, I just wanted to, to clarify that this isn't a German thing. When, when uh, John Kick Tripad had mentioned that he moved to San Francisco and is now a San Francisco Shock fan, you know, does that does that trigger anything in you? Iosex, is that is that is that kind of a a primal urge to just speak out and and you know disclaim the the lines of nation? I am. Okay. So, oh, okay. So this is so this is in independent. Okay, but but okay. like the first team and the team that I still I guess root for, even though you know I don't work with them, mm. is actually San Francisco Shock. And the reason why that is is because they. Uh, IDDQD was pretty much the player that even got me into the competitive side of Overwatch. Mm. So, mm. Yeah, pretty much the only reason I like, you know, SF Chuck is because IDDQD was was on there. So uh, I miss yeah. him. Bring him back. What's he, <laughs> what's he doing these days? Streaming, right? Something. Is he streaming? I I I don't know. Actually, nothing but the best. He uh, he deserves a trophy. He does. There should be an IDDQD trophy in Overwatch League. For what? 
Uh, just this like, is a I dark know, road. Like, uh, yeah, I, here's yeah, the thing. This right? going, this yeah, this is going. If I, I if know. I could get like he's one, goading you into a spider's web. Yeah, <laughs> like if, if I could get like one like autograph, it would definitely be by Yeah, I'm yeah, into, like I'm I, sure, sure. He's just done so much, and obviously, you know the the uh, Dennis Hoelka award is is amazing. But like I don't know, like I mean, do we've got the sportsmanship one we've got i don't know name them the mvp one name them name them the uh i don't know i don't know just give them a trophy <laughs> G- give them a trophy just get him a trophy this is this is an american educational system where everyone's a winner it's hey, it's you okay this is terrible that's that's cold that's not that's not american education system just because IDDQD was like, I mean, there's a oh, lot was that of your cheerleading class or. Oh my God. <laughs> Listen here. That was jazzercise. Oh man. I didn't have to take classes. I just got credits for creative expression. So, uh, you know, <laughs> your face. I'm just kidding. I didn't get that at all. That's not a thing. That's not a thing in the American education system. Just remember who's hosting and editing this show and who's just talking during the show. Yes. Very guy. true. You know, sure. I just, I, I'm just saying. Laying down the law. All right, that was that was an awkward moment for all of us. I don't like it when you see your three dads fight. So, uh, chat, we're gonna get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get out of here for the time. Uh, Io Stucks. I mean, man, dude, so much knowledge, incredible. We we've we've definitely brushed shoulders on different discords and stuff like that, and obviously on Reddit as well. And you know, I've always had mad respect for you, but we've never really gotten to talk one on one on one on one. And this has been amazing. Mad respect more. Make sure to you know follow. It's it's still at IO Stucks, right? There's no like yeah. OW or plays or casts or anything like that. Like you're comfortable. In My your name own- IO Stucks actually also comes from IDD Cutie. Like, I just looked at ID's name and I just tried to, like, get something in that kind of ballpark, so. Does it, does yeah. it mean anything? So, IO Stucks. Like, yeah, like... yeah. It, 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 uh, I studied computer science. Or <laughs> studied, you know, that was a short study. Um, so, the IO stands for input-output. And the Stux stands for uh, Stuxnet, which is a pretty nasty virus that overloaded some centrifuges. Mm. Caused some explosions. So, uh, yeah, IO Stucks. All right. That I Very mean that's cool. that's that's way too nerdy for me. I'm just kidding. It it's good though. It looks good too. The little lowercase I O capital S like it's, it's very good. People capitalize it correctly. It looks great. But uh sometimes they do not. Who does not? Did I not do it? No, 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 you did. But uh, there's some pretty evil people out there. Evil people. Yes. You you can send me the their names later. <laughs> Will do. Uh, and we'll never invite them on the show. And we'll, we'll actually go as far as to make fun of them on the show. Yeah, we'll let's not it. go that far. <laughs> I, I think. I think just you know, coming to that point in your life where you have to like misspell a name like almost intentionally, I, I feel like they've been punished enough, you know, by life. So all right, bola smell. I like, I like Mr. Kaku says I O S T U lowercase X. That's that's X-X-I-O not it. I O Stucks. X X I O Stucks. X X. Yeah. <laughs> Just add a sixty nine at the end of that, I guess. I and love then... old Xbox Live gamer tags. They're so good. They're so I set myself good. up for defeat, honestly. 
whenever I like do something bad, people just go, you know, IO sucks. No, no, they go, IO sucks. Yep. Uh, I was just going to say, sucks. It's right there. Whenever, whenever I sell coaching sessions, they're like, ooh, IO sucks, making IO bucks. Oh, just keeps going. No one can make fun of Kick Tripod. That's called branding. You can just make some merch that says IO bucks and then have like God. a. Oh, that's go, what you do. You make it a referral thing. If someone refers you for coaching, they get five IO bucks. Oh, this no. podcast sponsored by Audible. Dude, I'm a marketer at heart at the end of the day. That's what I do. <laughs> so <laughs> just kidding. we're going to get out of here. This is a really fun show. Uh, lots of, lots of really good conversations and a lot of ridiculous conversations overall, uh, you know, a Lao Vom to heist show. I I think it was heist, but as far as some of the analogies and some of the like banter, Lao Vom, you know, Lao Vom, but, uh, that. Yeah. You're going to have to. So. Uh, th- th- I was Thank you for everything. I mean, so for Uprising, Uprising Academy fans, what do you want to say out to the fans out there before we get out of here as well as where to follow you and anything else you want to put out to them? Well, uh, you can go to my Twitter, obviously, at Iostacks. I also have a pinned message on there to my Discord in case you want to ask me any questions. Um, in general, I want to be kind of the coach that, you know, is more active with the community and that people shouldn't shy away from just sending a DM. So... If you have uh, dank memes, send them my way, and I'll uh, reply with an emote. Um, but yeah, no, that's pretty much it. And to, to any Uprising or Uprising Academy fans, um, I hope that you guys like, you know, I, I hope that, you know, even though we didn't do that well in the last season, I hope that I, you know, didn't disappoint you guys too much. And uh, keep your eyes peeled for the next season, because I'm very confident that we're, you know, it's, it's only going to go uphill from here. It's, uh, you know, the, the, the Uprising is coming. It's coming. I, I believe it. I'm a believer. Uh, Joe, what are you up to, man? What, what do people need to know about you? Where to find you? All that good stuff. What do you got working on? Um, well, I'm going to go take my fancy uh, weekends mug and go get some coffee because I just woke up. Um, but play yeah, some Apex stay- late, later? Uh, perhaps. Mayhaps. And later tonight, we may be on stream playing some, some FPS BRs, but uh, doing historical content. Uh, leading up to the Overwatch League, so check out my Twitter for that, all that jazz, and uh, the constant flow is uh, is coming. So yeah, just wait for the content; it'll be uh, coming up. So that's pretty much it. All right, Jessica, what about you, man? I know you've got a lot going on. Yeah, I'm I'm probably going to release an article like an hour after this concludes, and then yeah, I guess the rest of my shout out I want to use in order to help our viewers remember the name of the word or the words that we portray today and you can cut off directly after that because it needs to be cut off remember kids when urine leaves the body it's low bomb <laughs> that is correct but the worst kind of correct I don't, I don't get it. nobody will forget though very true don't get it i don't get it oh it's a german thing joe i don't get it don't worry about it. I don't get it. All don't right. Worry about it. Well, uh, yes, guy, I believe you. Uh, good luck on the new gig. Excited to see more written content from you. Uh, mm-hmm. Congratulations. Yes, yes. Thanks, yeah. Pat. Congrats. Yeah, congratulations. Really nice. uh, Yiska, can I, can I say it? Can I say it on the stream? Sure. You're, you're going to be writing for VP Esports and uh, quite a bit, actually. So uh, mm-hmm. kudos, dude. Br- keep bringing us smart articles. Uh, please do, because 
sick of re reading Joe's. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> get them in. Get them in. I know. We're, we're I, wrapping up. Get them in. I'm sorry. I'm just joking. Actually, if there's an article that I read every time it hits, it's it's only Volanels. So uh, excited to add yours to the list there. And as we continue to have the biggest brains in Overwatch on the show. Uh, yeah. As for me, you can find me everywhere at Kick Tripod. Uh, I don't do really smart Overwatch content. I watch a lot of Overwatch, and I do um, a lot of stuff otherwise. But you know, you may not, you won't get the 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 big brain analysis from me. I know that until the tripod dives becomes meta. Until the exactly. tripod dive becomes gonna... meta. Yeah, uh, I just need. I man, I need it. I Iostex, I need it. Tripod dive is gonna be meta in season two. I'll try my best to spread the word. Fair Can't enough. make any promises. Fair enough. I mean, that you know what? That's actually pretty close to just kind of all I needed to hear. So I will take it. I will edit it. And I will make it an actual... Uh, I'm to make it a thing, you know? Like, why not? You know, probably like right here, right? Uh, does this sound right? Yeah, that's not going to work. We're going to figure it out later. <laughs> I forgot that I'm already playing. I'm already playing music. It doesn't work. This is not nearly as effective of an ending of a show. The attempt was there, but it was like a little loud bomb, you know? Not heist. It was, what's cold? Cult. Cult. You guys just take our words and then like make them harder to say. That's all German is. They just take the word. I don't, I I think it's, uh, I don't know about that. It's like, oh, that's hot. You know what? Let's make it heist. Like, uh, let's just change three of the letters because it's, we can. It's like, it's like, you know, going for like a bank robbery. It's like a heist, but like without the T at the end. It's like yeah, heist. heist. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I, I get it, but it's like hot. And cult is like the word like cult. Like the. Yeah, have you know, nothing like the... to do with hot and cold, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, but like just how you pronounce it, you know, just like a cult. Just, I don't you know. know. It's a, it's a cult today. I just don't know why you've had American for all these centuries to, you know, speak. American. <laughs> you had American for all these centuries to derive your language from. You're like, let's just change it. You know, no, because I mean, how many, how many our centuries? Our language is derived like, from Latin. Like 15 centuries. A... Like I think, I think Jesus. Yeah. Was the I first. mean, if if English if English was enough for Jesus, it's enough for me. Yeah, that's right. That's... <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, oh man, there's so much going on there. Thank you guys for tuning in for Tactical Crouch episode 18. Sorry about the blasphemy at the end of the show. And you know, go follow everyone everywhere, tune into the show, subscribe, like. I think we're like five followers away on Twitter. Yeah, we are. We're six followers away on Twitter or on not on Twitter, on um, on Twitch from hitting 2000, which is uh, really amazing. So if you're listening, oh. follow now. Do it. And uh, thank you as well for all the subs. Thank you to Ice Ham Jello for the 200 bits. And yeah, just search for Tactical Crouch, Overwatch League Daily everywhere. You'll get all that good stuff. We're getting out of here. See you guys. Love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>